0: You're listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com.
1: You can begin to open up to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, and that's where we're going to be spending the bulk of our morning. And so, um, man, there's a lot going on in the life of our church. You see that with baptisms, and um, it's just it's fun. And if you didn't believe in college ministry, hopefully the last few weeks would help give you that vision for what God can do in the life of college students. But again, there's a lot going on. I think at Lauren and Austin, it's your guys' one-year anniversary. I, my wife and I, we're going to celebrate seven years next Monday, uh, and, and that's pretty exciting. But I just want to be honest with you, in the, the whole pursuit process of my wife, I really just wanted to be married. Um, I didn't necessarily think about the implications of what it'd mean to be a husband and a father. I was just like, I got to get this girl, right? Like, here she was, uh, you know, all 5'11", this tall blonde gal that played college soccer. Uh, She's traveled the world, uh, full-ride law student. Like, when the bank printed her statement, they used black ink. When they did mine, it was in red ink. Like, in every way, she was like... Better and I am like, man, I've I've got to lock this down. So, so pursued hard, pursued quick. We dated for all of six months, engaged for three. So, making quick work, right? Nine months, start to finish, from the day I met her basically until the day we uh, got married. And so, um, so, but I really, I honestly didn't think about like what it would be like to be a husband. And you're like, I bet that caused problems your first year of marriage. Absolutely, like somebody should have said, "Hey, like, okay, post wedding day, like, are you ready for all that entails?" Really hadn't crossed my mind. And uh, and here's the where I'm tying this in is as I think as a church, we're like, man, you got to trust in Jesus. We want you to have a relationship with Jesus. We want you to get baptized. We're like, yeah. Now what? <laughs> right? Like now, what would you tell these gals that have said, "Okay, my trust is in Jesus," like? Now what do you want me to do? If they came up to you and said, okay, now what, Michael? What, what do you, what's it mean to, to be a Christian? I'm like, okay. And I want to help look at the Bible today and be able to have a response to that where we can say, this is what it means to, to now, moving forward, walk in that way. And so the first three chapters of Ephesians is Paul really reminding us of our identity, Three chapters where he's just saying, this is who you are. Jesus has done this at the cross. You've been adopted, forgiven, who you are, who you are. But now he's going to turn a corner in Ephesians chapter 4, and he's going to say, this is what you're to do. Right? If we kind of coin, this is the first of like the to-do sermons. Now he's going to really get practical in this. And so Paul starts out in chapter 4. I'll start reading in verse 1 out of the ESV. He says, I Therefore, again, in light of these first three chapters, saying, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Again, this is Paul, so context here. Paul writing this, and he'd been to the city of Ephesus, and so he's writing to the people, the church there in Ephesus, and he's saying, it's me, listen up. And even right away, he makes reference to prisoner for the Lord. What you need to know is Paul was likely in prison Likely in chains in Rome at this time. And so here he is, like, I don't know if they, like, let the shackles off so he could write the letter. But he's in prison, and he's saying, it adds a little weight to what he's saying. he's saying, I urge you. Seemingly like his chains and being in prison hasn't dissuaded him from what's true, only all the more kind of got him amped up. He's like, if I was free, this is what I would be doing. But here I am writing a letter because I can't be there to tell you because again, the chains thing. So what I'm urging you is to do this. What's he say? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. He's going to go on to elaborate. Walk with all humility, in gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, and the bond of peace. Okay, to summarize there, you see what he says in verse two, he says humility, you see gentleness in there, patience, love, peace, unity. If, if you've been around, you, maybe the Bible, you've, you've come across the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, where he says uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? It's a very similar list that we see in these things. And he's saying, what should be had from this relationship with God? You should manifest these sort of fruits. Because I'm telling you, what doesn't come natural for a human, right? If you've interacted with people or or you look at yourself in the mirror, you know what, what you have to train children, what you have to train yourself in, Humility, gentleness, patience, right? Those are things that that oftentimes get tried and are not necessarily true of us. And so what he says is you need to walk in these things. It's going to take effort to do that. In John 15, he would use the word abide or remain. So you're going to have to continue to invest. You're going to have to continue to do these things. For those of you that are married, it's going to be a continual investment I'm looking at Michael and Morgan. They just got married like two weeks ago, right? It's going to be a continual investment in your marriage. What you said, you know, a couple weeks ago, your vows, you would think that would be good for the rest of your life. No, not right. If that's news to you, like, let's just meet and we'll just start the counseling now, right? To any of you, like you should know that, that just a one-time deal with your, your wife, it's going to be a process of investing in that relationship. It's going to be a process, a lifelong process. So some of you are like, wait, are you saying we have to do something as Christians? Absolutely. In regards to our salvation, no. Jesus dying on the cross, that's efficient. We can't do good works to to get and earn heaven. But in our Christian walk, that is going to look like something. We're going to have to actively do something. And so here's what he's, again, this is reference to Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. Remember what he taught us to pray? He said, Forgive us of our sins as we forgive others who sin against us. Does that make sense? That that since Jesus has been forgiving us, we also have to forgive others. Jesus has been patient or gracious with us. So therefore, we must be patient and gracious with others. Jesus displayed humility when he died a death on a cross. Therefore, we should be humble. So what he's saying is, is if your identity is in Jesus, first three chapters of Ephesians, the result is you should walk like Jesus, you should look like Jesus, and you should do these things. And failure to do that, wouldn't you just be the biggest hypocrite ever? Like, "Lord, thank you for forgiving me, No, I'm not going to forgive that other person." "Lord, thanks for your patience with me, I just I'm not going to be patient with other people." Right? Because Jesus was and it all is all these things, we must also be so to others. So an illustration that I'm going to use, if we got the tank up here, might as well really leverage it. Uh, Mark Aaron, a pastor of mine, said, we really stand under the waterfall of God's mercy and grace and his love. Now, you can't just bring a waterfall right into a hotel. Uh, 700 gallons of water you can, but but not a waterfall. And so, it's this concept, guys, that, that we stand under the waterfall of God's love and mercy. And so, we get poured into we get filled up what he's saying here is a natural overflow natural thing for that should be to overflow as god's love fills us up you see how that worked right do it again for visual illustration. some of you visual learners see how god as god fills us up the natural overflow from that should be humility love gentleness patience kindness In fact, if if nothing's overflowing, you would question, like, do you know the Lord? Because that should be a natural kind of side effect of experiencing all of who God is. Guys, you know people that, that are looking to be filled up in all different places, be it the bar scene, be it at work. And what these gals today have come to recognize is that Jesus is the only thing that can really fill us. But what he's saying in this text is, that's just not enough. There should be this overflow. It should look like something. As you do these things, the, the natural overflow should be, what does he say? Humility, gentleness, patience, love. First John says it really well. In 1 John 4, I'm just going to read this uh, for you. 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He goes on in verse 11 to say, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's just what it should look like. If you've experienced the love of God, it can't just stop with you. It has to overflow. And he goes on in our text here to say what that should look like. Look at how it's going to overflow onto others. In verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your, your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And again, you, you it, really the word one sticks out. This unity that he's saying that's even The triune God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all one. He's saying, we, as we walk in this manner worthy of the calling that's been given to us, we should be one. We should be unified. Week one, if you were here for church, I used this illustration about how sometimes churches operate, and it was this uh, illustration revolving around boats. I'm just going to review it real quick, right? So some churches want to operate like a battleship, (laughs) where their idea of really engaging the dark is to just hold conferences or to pick it with signs. And their thought is, we're just gonna stay in kind of a holy huddle and hopefully that the people out there will come to know the God we love and serve. And so, but we're gonna stay comfortable in our own walls and just kind of attack it like that. Okay, that's one way. I don't know how effective that necessarily is in getting the message across, Another way churches can operate sometimes is like a cruise ship. And the idea is is put out the buffet, bring everybody on, and it's really kind of a seeker friendly, come and consume. And so driven a lot by programs and and wanna really kind of tailor things to really help people have a great experience with church. Right? And so people go there and kind of the mentality in those churches is like, man, I really like this. I really feel filled up. And, and if that would stop for whatever reason, where they don't feel like it's worth their time, then they're just going to go find another cruise ship, church, that can feed them in the way they want, right? I've even been a proponent of that language before. I'm like, hey, you just got to go where you're getting fed. Man, I'd ask you, in light of this text, how can you really practice humility, gentleness, patience, peace, unity, being a part of one of those churches. Really, especially the cruise ship, how can you really begin to practice this and put into play when it's all about you, kind of on the cruise ship mentality versus I believe what he's clearly calling us here in this text. And again, for the longest time, I really thought that the point of my Bible reading, church attendance, and, and going to Connection Group, I really thought the point was to get filled up. But do you understand how that falls short? Like for you to just get filled up and never to overflow, man, I think that would be missing it. Because how can you point people to Jesus when those things never really come out of your life? Does that make sense? And so, what I believe he's saying in this text is that, that when you overflow, when you do these things, people might not be able to directly see the Lord, but when they see the Lord in you and they see the level of humility that you have, the level of patience you have, your generosity, it prompts people to say, I've got a question. Why would you do that? Again, when we're moving here and selling homes and getting new jobs, it's like, I have a question. Why? Why? And then in that moment, you got to say, because we have a loving God who has been all these things and then some to us. But here's the reality, is I think if we just simply overflow as an individual, that gives some kind of correlation to there might be God behind this. But I think what really, I'm not a very good waiter, so bear with me here. But if you can collect these babies and they can overflow together, Now, all of a sudden, you got something that looks a little more like the waterfall, which is the source, right? See, it's not enough to just overflow individually, and I think we're going to see and be able to make that case from this text, that if we truly want to put Christ on display, it's not enough to do so individually. We have to do it collectively. Christ will be displayed through the church coming together, Now work with me here because, again, those that are saved by Jesus, we're called to proclaim Jesus. And you all know that if we just tell people, that's not enough. There's got to be actions that accompany this. I think it's in 1 Peter 3 where it says, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Like there's got to be some actions that back up that we really believe what we believe. Now I'm asking you, what's going to more fully put that on display? One individual or a collective group of individuals doing that together. And he's going to make the case from the text that he's saying, it's everybody coming together as a body, functioning together, that is going to give the best representation of who Jesus is. Okay, I don't want you to miss this because I missed this for so long in my life. Initially, the progression was like, I just need to get filled up. And then it's like, okay, I just need to overflow. And then you start reading today's text, you're like, oh, wow, it's bigger than me. What's he say? How's this going to get done? Verse seven. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high and led, host, and led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men, and saying he ascended, what does it mean? But he also descended to the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might uh, fill all things. Now let's time out, right? Confusing. I don't know if you guys read commentaries coming in today, but having an opportunity to study this out, what he's referencing here is Psalm 66 verse 18, which talks about how a king would come and he would lead captives and then people would give that king uh, treasures. And so what what was taking place in old time when they would conquer a nation, a group of people, They would bring those captive people and they would have a procession, and people would be hooting and hollering as they'd bring them back to their hometown. And all these warriors, all these people would have, from these conquered kingdoms, grabbed spoils, gold, silver, articles of value. And they would have been there, and it would have just been an excitement. And here's the king, the leader of this great nation that has just conquered people. And this parade would take place, and it's like, here's our conquered people going before us. And all the people from their spoils that they had received while at war they'd be like, yeah, king. And it was kind of like a reverse parade. Instead of like them throwing stuff out, they're like throwing, like I don't know, gold bars or what, but like, they're giving it back to the king. They're saying, you're awesome. You're victorious. You are so great. Now what Paul does is he flips the language here and he's saying, okay, now we've had a king that has come, who has defeated death, who has defeated Satan, and here's our king. He actually is giving gifts out. <laughs> From his foils. And so he's saying, This is who God is that that he is so generous that while he has won the battle and conquered, he goes beyond that. He's like, A gift for you and a gift for you, and just kind of makes his way and is giving everyone gifts. And what's, what kind of gifts are these? He, in verse 11, he goes on to say, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, others evangelists, shepherds, teachers. And this is an exhaustive, exhaustive list. I think you go elsewhere in scripture and find that there's some that are given the gift of mercy, of generosity, wisdom, counseling, worship. There's just all these different gifts that God has given to people. And what does he say to do with these gifts? Verse 12, feel free to underline in your Bible. Those gifts are to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Those gifts are to be used to equip the saints. They're given to equip the saints, to give them the necessary tools for the work of ministry. And don't miss a little comma for, for what? For building up the body of Christ. So as to say, when we come together, when we compile our gifts and work together as one body, we put Christ on display. And again, he says, Jesus is the head of all things. And so if we want to put Christ on display, we have to do it collectively. Because here's the, the reality, if you're not aware of this, let me make you aware of it. No one in here is Jesus, okay? All right, And no one actually really represents all of who Jesus was. Do you understand that? That Jesus was merciful, but, but also uh, he was zealous and, and he was gracious and compassionate, but also a really good teacher. Jesus manifested all these things at the same time. Like he was fully all these things. Now knowing some of you, what, what I know about Joel Wise, I know Joel is, is zealous and he really loves righteousness like Jesus does, but he's perhaps not the most merciful person. But I know Sierra, Sierra right in front of me, like you're really merciful, but I don't know how strong you are necessarily on on, say teaching or, or these things. Zoe is really good at hospitality, Rachel at administration. Paige, I know you don't believe this, but I was like, you're probably like, have like this gift of patience and encouragement. You have five kids. Either your gift is like the gift of childbearing, but you have to have some level of patience that goes with raising all these kids, right? There's, there's all these different gifts that have been given to us. And he's saying, all of these. You put them together, and since no one is fully Jesus, but if we can get these gifts together, working together for the building of the body, then we have an opportunity to put Jesus on display. Again, it doesn't help the body when parts of the body, those that have been gifted, rebel. Like They're still attached, but they're just... Not really working with you. Anybody, I know you've had this, you don't have to show hands, but like you've been watching TV and like laying awkward and your leg just falls asleep. Kind of like just rebels against you. It's like, no, I'm not going to work. You like get up to to go get a snack or something and you're like, you can't walk and then you're like kind of swinging it, right? It's not fun when like parts of your body are just like, I'm still here, but I'm not happy, right? Okay, that's one thing. Imagine further where... They don't rebel. They're just like I'm leaving altogether. I'm gone. I'm out. Like thankfully, like they're they're kind of held together in our actual bodies. But he's saying this is what happens sometime in the church world: is a church doesn't make a way for hands to serve, and so the hands are like, you know what? I'm out, <laughs> gone. It's like where'd hand go? He was mad. He just you weren't serving, so he left. Found a bunch of other hands. They're really good at serving. What do they teach the Bible? No. Do they baptize? Do they do communion? Well, no, but they serve and hands happy because he gets to do what he wants to do. Is that helpful in building up the body? Absolutely not. What he's saying is you need to be unified that these body parts need to come together, work together for the building up of the body. That's why these gifts have been given. And our text calls us to use those gifts for the building up of the body. Now, why doesn't it happen again? I think sometimes gifts aren't valued. You get people that are really strong leaders, that are really strong visionaries, and the fact of of helping people that are broken and hurting just seems like it'll slow down, and so that doesn't get done. Oftentimes, honestly, confession, that's one of the first things to go. And so you have to have these other ministries start up, such as be it Salvation Army or other places, where like we're going to meet the tangible needs of people. The church should be doing that. But in the absence of that, I can understand why those ministries have to start. Another reason that that perhaps parts leave is hypothetically, church is new. And they just don't have ministries and clear outlets and paths created for kind of how you're gifted or wired. And so I really believe, in light of that, it's not hypothetical, it's true. This is where we're at. We're just weeks old. I think some of you guys will have a decision to make in the light of today's text. Because I think there's going to be a temptation you'll have to just create your own outlet outside of the body. I'm telling you, it would be faster if if you just went outside of the body and said, you know what, I want to use my gift, and so I'm going to create my own outlet instead of trying to, to wait until this thing grows and there's an avenue so I can use my gifts. And I'm telling you, in the short term, Yes. That is the faster way for your gifts to be used. But again, does it build up the body? Because, I'm trying not to get overly passionate. When you look at this text, what does he say those gifts are for? They're for the building up of the body if you have a different interpretation, I would love to talk about it, but it seems like that is why they have been given. And again, it makes logical sense that when the body comes together and all these parts are working together, that we can honestly best represent all of who Jesus is. And we need each other because we're not all going to be able to be able to just minister to everybody equally that that I'm so grateful for you, Sarah, because you're going to know what to do with those broken hurting people. Give me the the 21-year-old Christian butthead guy. I assure you I know what to do with that guy because I was one, right? Like, we all kind of need to be working together for the building up of the body. And so he said, equip the saints. That's what they're there for, for the building up of the body. So if we want to put Christ on display, it's the church working together. Is that going to be harder, Anthem, than just finding a bunch of people that think like you, that want to serve like you, and just circling up and doing that? Absolutely. And that's why I think he says over and over in this text, you have to fight for unity, to be unified. And that goes beyond like cordially, just kind of agreeing with each other. He's going to watch how tightly he wants us to be held together. Verse 13 on through the end. It's going to be hard, and he says, Here, here's when you can stop. Once you attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. So, in other words, once you all are working together and you look exactly like Jesus, that's when you can stop. It's going to be a while, okay? Verse 14 So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by the craftiness and the deceitful schemes. Rather verse 15 speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint in which it is equipped when we each when each part is working properly makes the whole makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love Understand that once we function together and we work together, we're going to grow. This is going to grow, and we're going to be a better and more full representation of who Jesus is. By way of review, it's not enough to just be filled. If you're just filled, I don't know how you can practice the things he said. I urge you to walk in these ways. You can't do that in and of yourself just simply being filled. It's going to require you to be around other people moreover i think he goes on to say it's not just enough for you to personally overflow for you to be filled up into overflow seems like he's strongly making a case for the body being built up do you see that in the text and so what does that mean practically for us some of you today you're like i didn't even know i had a gift (laughs) merry christmas right you're welcome like god has done that that's from jesus he's given you a gift and maybe there's not just a clear outlet for that, but, but I'm telling you, it's needed. Some people are like, I, I don't know what my gift is. You know the average American has over $15,000 in credit card debt alone. Some of you, I believe, know how to manage money. One of the biggest things preventing people from going overseas to be missionaries or entering into ministry is the fact that they've dug themselves a hole of debt and they can't get out of it. If you know how to steward money, I'd say, man, that's a gift that God could use. Some of you guys are like junior high, high school kids. I love them. I'm telling you, that's a gift, right? Unless like they're actually yours. If you like willingly love junior high, high school kids, I'm like, you are gifted. It requires a level of patience, a level of vision. Man, we need people like that in here. There's the gifts of hospitality. I think there's so many gifts, be it worship, all these things. And you might not just have one clear cut way. I think God has, has given us gifts, plural, to be used for the building up of the body. And so practically, some of you guys are like, I didn't know I had a gift. Hey, it's exciting. And I want you guys in that context to view your leaders. To view me as pastor, the staff, I want to be like a high school track coach. And let me explain this, right? I did track for two years in high school. Mr. Dobb was my coach. Mr. Dobb had jet black hair, this epic mustache. And he walked around like with a clipboard that seemed like it was bolted to his body, right? So Mr. Dobb is my coach. And the first event he had me run, in high school was a 400 uh, meters on a 200 meter track and so <laughs> first event i'm like whoo, take off and and run the first 200 meters in like blazing speed and, but there was still a whole nother lap to be completed you ever heard of the phrase like hitting a wall oh my word like i had a wall fell down and I'm like dragging myself across the line so mr learned 400 meters too long for stan hayek right so he's like, well, let's try 200 meters. Well, was good. Like, I, I wasn't completely short of breath, but I wasn't just that fast, right? So it's like, okay, not the 200 meters. Maybe maybe you can jump things, right? You're 6'3". No, right? Like, could not jump. The, try the high jump thing. You're like, it's like... If you got points for crushing the bar, I was on it, but not clearing it. Like, there's this guy that was so much shorter than me that just like bounded over. I'm like, okay, you take that event. And, but Mr. Dobb, like, still working the mile? Huh? No. <laughs> no. Come on, right? Like, not a miler, but the 110 high hurdles. 110 meters. I wasn't going to lose my breath, and the fact that you had to jump over things like allowed me to keep up with the competition, uh, somewhat. You know, like it was enough though. Where where on my team, I could sometimes place, win some medals, and, and contribute in that way. I say all that to say, it took a while to kind of find my place, my role on the track team. Some of you guys, it may take trying a few things. I mean, there, there's no shame in that. There's there, Try a few things. Because here's the reality. Like, the meat's already been won. Like, if you don't know how this ends, Jesus comes back, defeats Satan, and we live eternally with God forever, right? Like, the game is over, but functionally, I feel like God is graciously like, hey, why don't you participate? Like, get in there. And you're like, okay. And like, you're hiked up shorts You're like trying to compete. And it's like, good. You're not going to hurt anything, right? I believe it's to his joy to just let us share in the ministry. Again, the big thing has been won, but, but God is inviting us to play a role in this. And I would say, man, I really want to invite you in and, and really put that pressure on your leaders, on us as a staff. Again, in using our gifts together, we're going to help people better understand a full picture of who God is. And I, I, know that we are young and to those that are kind of outside the body, I don't want to push you away. I want you to, to feel welcome, feel love, but know that it's texts like this that are going to really want to push you. Cause I really believe it's going to be to your joy to lean in and get connected. I believe it's to your blessing to be under authority. I believe you're going to have, uh, uh, it's going to be so uh, energizing to you to be used in this way. I really do believe that. And so there is gonna be a level of urging in my voice like Paul, I believe, is urging them in, in his tone here to participate in those ways. And so I want you to understand that. And some of you guys, you, you're not necessarily on the outside, just kind of watching, you're on the outside, but you're using your gifts in your context. And again, to those I'd say, overflowing in some way is better than nothing. Like, I get it, and I get perhaps the things that got you to that position where like, man, I, I just can't find a body to be a part of, so until then, I'm going to overflow. That's great. But now what? In light of this text, and seemingly in light of God's plan, when he calls not only this text, but when he calls the church the bride of Christ, the fact that this is even implicitly it's written to a church, so is the letter to the Philippians and Corinthians and the Romans, like... All those things, it's written to the church, so in light of that, what are you gonna do? Understanding the value that God places on the gifts being used to build up the body, and through that, the unity of putting the body on display helps make Christ known, and here's the deal, I do. I invite you to say, okay, and I would love, that is gonna be the best $6 Starbucks coffee I ever buy, is trying to help you guys get in the game, because here's the third ship that I didn't tell you about, is really this aircraft carrier. And you think of Top Gun, right? Where they, those things, those jets land on there, they equip them, they fuel them up. Everybody's mission is, is to, to get them and get out into those places, get off deck, so to speak, and, and have influence outside. And that's what we wanna be, is we wanna be an aircraft carrier that equips people to be all of who they are, believing God has truly gifted them in hopes to really build up the body. I had a guy that came up to me uh, probably a few weeks ago now. It says, man, I've had a thought of vocational ministry. And so I'm like, okay, great. I've got a conference this week. You're coming with me. We're going to hang around a bunch of other pastors. Tell me after that if that's still a thought in your mind, right? I had a guy that said, hey, I've thought about youth ministry kind of stuff. So I took that guy and uh, the other guy, and I'm like, great. I'm going to get you an opportunity to speak at a youth camp and hang around junior high, high schoolers all weekend long. At the end of that, if you still think youth ministry, then we should really explore that because that would be a gift, right? Put the pressure on us. Jesse was here, he's like, I play the guitar. Great, let's see if God has gifted you in that and perhaps one day you'd be able to lead us in worship. Again, we wanna help you guys get connected. I think the biggest problem would be if we're like a high school track team, That spends all of its time stretching and never competing. Like, oh, I got to read my Bible a little more. I got to do these things. I'm not ready, and we never put ourselves out there. Because I'm telling you, once I ran a race in the higher hurdles and saw that I stood a chance, man, it drove. All of a sudden, those disciplines made all the more sense to prepare me for getting out there. I'm saying, some of you guys right now, really good at practicing, really good at disciplines, but I want to invite you to get in the game. And again, the best outlet that we have is to start in connection groups with your leader and putting the pressure on them and then coming to the leadership and let's find a place for you to really serve. Again, you have to understand that as we come together, the body, all the parts working together, truly from scripture, that seems like the most hope we can have to really put Christ on display. That's what it's all about. It's not, it's not about Anthem like in our name, but it's about helping people see Jesus. And that we've got to come together in order to do that. And I need, we need each other because not any one of us is fully going to be able to represent Jesus well alone. That's where he's taken us in the text. That's what I'm so passionate about today. And I really, truly want to invite you in I'm going to invite the band up here now and we're going to have an opportunity to kind of respond uh, with worship and respond with communion. And so again, as we take communion, invite you to take a piece of bread, rip it off, and then be able to dip it into the cup. And the reality again is he, he gave us this command. He says, do this. Where was he at when he gave the command at the last supper with his disciples And so I really believe there's a unifying thing about this as we do this together, as we take communion together, to say, do this in remembrance of what Jesus has done. And so I just want you to, to realize that those that are going back to these communion tables with you, those are people that are saying, I'm committed to make Jesus known. And if we're truly about that, then we have to be committed to make Jesus known together. And so I'm gonna invite the band. Uh, when you guys are ready, you guys will start playing. And, uh, and then at your leisure, you can stand up and take communion. Again, we don't want a gluten allergy to stop anybody. So the, up at the table here, there's gluten-free. But again, unified together, remembering what Jesus has done. I'm gonna pray for us and then um, we'll worship together. God, do thank you for your word. And uh, thank you that you have truly um, just saved us Thanks for the gals getting baptized. We just praise you for their stories. And God, we want to walk in a manner worthy of what you call this. And we see from your text that that means doing it together. And so, Lord, as we just celebrate what you've done and we do that together, would there just be a strength that we feel in our souls knowing that it's not up to us alone, but you've put in place the body to all work together to best put you on display. So we praise you and we worship you now and we take communion together in your name, Jesus. Amen.
2: And we're a part of it. Oh, right? Like, doesn't it just it's like brave part? And I realize my movie references are getting outdated, but come on, right? It's like, oh, we're we're a part of this thing, and God is one. And yes, sin and hate. And all these things are still a reality in our world today. But us coming together as the people of God, it's a proclamation to all the evil forces out there that says, I know we're still in the midst of the battle, but the war is already won. Praise God. See, and in all of this, as he unpacks the mystery, as he says, this is what it is, as he says, this is how much it's worth. Don't you want to be a part of that? And as he says, okay, it's the church that's going to reveal that to everybody else. Then he goes into his prayer. And that's where I want to stop this morning. Because if we are going to be that, if we're going to experience the mystery that God has for us, if we're going to be the people that come together who say, man, what else would I want to do? I want to be a part of this. Big gestures and little ones. I want it to be a reality in my everyday life. And as we come together and as we say, yes, I I want to be the church. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of that message, that battle cry, that rallying cry. He says the only way we're going to do that is through the reality of Jesus in our lives. The grace of Jesus in our lives. So let's, let's read the prayer. He picks it up again in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner beings. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Guys, Paul's prayer for us is that we would experience the mystery of God, that we experience not only in an instant, sense, but in an experiential sense, that we would experience what that mystery is in our everyday lives. And for some of you, again, for some of you in here, you, you just, you don't even know what that means. But I'm asking you this morning, will you put your faith and would you put your trust in Jesus? Because he has this mystery and that mystery is for you to experience. And he says, oh, that mystery is so incredible. We can't even get to the bottom of it. It's so bottomless and so incredibly amazing. What Jesus has done. And for those of us here who who would say, I've already put my faith and hope in there, Paul's prayer is that it would continue to be a reality in your life. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for you in your job? What does that look like for you in your class? What does that look like for you, for that mystery to play itself out in your life? Let's pray. God, we praise you. We thank you for this mystery that you have revealed to us and for us and through us and in us, God. I praise you for, for the truth of your word. And God, I pray that you would help us as the church. I pray that you would help us as people who were once far from you, as people who were once, without even knowing there's hope in the world, God, I pray that for us that you would bring us close to you, God, that you would, uh, for those of you who, who are still far from you, who are still trapped and lost in their sin and brokenness, God, I pray that the reality of that, of that mystery, that they can be heirs, God, that they can be partakers of the promise, that they can be part of one body under you, God, I pray that that reality would be a reality for them today. And God, for the, for the rest of us, God, I pray that that would be a reality every single day of our lives, that we would be a part of that rallying cry, that as Paul prayed, that we would experience the depth of your love. We praise you, God. We thank you, and it's in your name.
0: Amen.